0: Good afternoon, <laughs> how are you I'm not too bad, it is the 27th of November today, 2020, 2020. I think uh, all... a little date at the beginning is, is always good, I like it, a little <laughs> snapshot of the time, and um, this is episode number one like, of a
1: an unnamed
0: podcast at the moment however it might also be named we are unsure of that that is true that is true we're living we're living between between the extremes right now <laughs> as as most people are i think definitely yeah so should we go straight into what well, yeah why don't you then? why don't you tell me a bit about the um story you've chosen in yeah so um
1: it's obviously been mentioned a lot within the media in recent years, uh, particularly more associated with the left wing of the political spectrum, um, which is the Implicit Attitudes Test, um, which has also been related to unconscious bias training. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, the Implicit Attitudes Test was developed by Greenwald and Banaji in 1995, and it was a an attempt to measure subconscious preferences. So basically what they would do with this test is they would um, base it upon individuals' reaction times within like a reaction time task, which would determine the speed at which people would respond to various phrases that the term, that associated either their out group with uh, positive words or their, Wait, did I just say in-group? Out-group. I was going to ask you what you meant by that. Yeah, I meant in-group with positive words and (laughs) out-group with negative words compared to the other way around. And basically, the majority of the time, they would find that they were quicker to associate uh, positive words with their in-group and quicker to associate negative words with their out-group. Obviously, there's a lot of theories to determine why this is the case however that was 25 years ago and now within today's society that is being used as a way of um especially within businesses it's been used as a way to um pick out basically what subconscious preferences certain individuals have and whether or not they have certain unconscious biases and then with that hopefully we'll be able to remove those biases but obviously this isn't necessarily the best way to go about it so Mm. i wondered what your initial thoughts were on that
0: um well i think i've got got a number of things i think the first thing i'll do is ask specifically about the studies you've spoken about uh um could you so when you're talking about the the sort of the choices that they're given in and as you said it's in a time constrained format in some way
1: yeah it's like a reaction time toss so you'd be sat at a computer
0: right and
1: you might so you'll have something like um uh so say if you're a white american you'll have white american come up and uh like a word like happy or something like that right and uh i think yeah you have to no it'll be like happy i think they'll have happy one side and sad the other and they'll have to pick the word that they associate with that um right. and yeah it's just a matter of how quickly they react to it and they it found they found that those that people would be quicker to associate um positive things with their in group and quicker right. to associate negative things with they're out group. So whether that's what, African Americans what, or
0: yeah, yeah, What what is meant by in and out group in this context?
1: Yeah, so in group basically group, a group that you belong to. Um, I think within the study itself, things like that were used. So say if it was a white individual, it would a white American individual, it would come up with white Americans or just whites or or probably not Americans, because if they were doing it uh I guess Americans would be an in-group for all of them. Um, so it was specified a bit and then they might have black uh, or African-American individuals um, who obviously for them, their in-group would be African-Americans and their out-group would be white Americans. Um, I'm not actually too sure on the uh, the exact examples that they use within the task, but um, yeah, a lot of what I've looked into has been more surrounding the implications of that test uh, or measure that was developed back then, and kind of how it's being used today to um, for ideological purposes, basically, which I think is a problem. Yeah. Um, because from that, many of now, many companies have obviously seen that and on paper read it as, okay, everyone has certain biases that need to be removed from them. You know, whether that's uh, race biases, gender biases, whatever, that's obviously not ideal in the workplace. Um, So they then came up with something called unconscious bias training. I don't exactly know how the training works again. but to remove these biases. However, there's been very, very little evidence to suggest that any of that has actually worked, which is kind of, from a psychological perspective that I'd take to me, quite obvious that there wouldn't be. Um, However, yeah, if anything, it's actually been found that it's, it's only made matters worse because if you're an individual and you're at work and someone's come up to you and said, okay, Here was a test you did last week. It turns out that you're unconsciously racist. Uh, We've got. Do you want to do this training or whatever, or you do need to do this training? Obviously, they're not going to be happy in the slightest to be told that. Um, And if anything, it's actually then made matters worse in terms of the biases that they are. So, yeah. Okay. But.
0: I think. Yeah, we, I don't we, know if you want to speak on that yeah, first. Yeah, pause there because I think there's some very interesting things in what you've said that we should uh, sort of tease out a little bit. Um, That's exactly yeah. The first one being that uh, you spoke about in group and out groups. Um, mm-hmm. But isn't it the case that those groups are being set by the people who are conducting the surveys or the studies themselves and that? Do they? Do they? What I mean to try and say is: Do they sort of allow for people who wouldn't i like identify as those sort of terms? Like, even though they recognise that they may be white or black or or whatever, they might not actually identify with that as being the core of their identity.
1: Yeah, no, I fully, I fully agree with that, and that would definitely under state the internal validity of the the measure itself um i'm not exactly yeah, too sure what that... they did to uh well because obviously validity is a way of intending to make like it, it validity basically means that you're um valid <laughs> yeah yeah so if if something is high in validity, then it means that the measure you're using, if it's higher in validity, then it is measuring what
0: you're actually intending to measure so oh, well, if like I don't I mean to pause you again here, but isn't there No go on. there is the distinction between internal and external validity yeah, there is yeah so maybe if we were just to simplify validity, it would be a bit confusing.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. So in this case, in reference to what you said about whether or not it's easy enough to determine which individuals that were part of the individual, the um, original uh, test actually did determine with what uh, actually did identify with which groups mm. Um if they were to just determine that themselves before they even walked in, like hopefully they would have used some sort of self-report measure or like a questionnaire or something like that, you'd like to think. Yeah. However, if they didn't and did decipher who was part of which um, identity group just by looking at them or whatever, that would reduce the internal validity of the measure of the the test itself because. What they're intending to measure is the unconscious biases of individuals based upon their social identity groups. However, if the identity groups they've got wrong about those individuals they they've got wrong about those individuals, then they're obviously not going to be measuring that. So that w- that is an example of um, reducing the internal validity. Mm. Um, external validity in this case, I guess, would be then applying those measures to the outside world which is what has then been done in regards to then developing something like unconscious bias training and that is where I think it becomes most dangerous like measures such as these because if the measure isn't valid in the test itself or in the study itself then to apply that same measure to the outside a much more complex world it could be a catastrophe it really could you know and i think it slowly is becoming that
0: yeah Um, there's definitely instances of where um people have lost their jobs from refusing to involve themselves in in a company that's undergoing a program like that
1: definitely and it it if if a, if they if you do work for a company that is undergoing a program like that and they do force that upon you you know it 's a lose lose almost because the likelihood of you coming away without having some sort of unconscious bias or subconscious preferences is very slim mm. um, but like you say, if you refuse then you 're probably going to lose your job, which kind of brings me on to um the part of this that interests me the most. Um, and it's kind of related to what I actually asked my social, uh, psychology lecturer, uh, the other day when he was actually talking about this. Um, so, um, a few studies that I've looked into recently, um, uh, involving either face processing or, uh, language learning in infants. Um, So as infants, um, between the ages of six and 12 months, a study was conducted that found that um, infants of that age were able to distinguish between certain sounds of other languages such as like Catalan, Hindi, Japanese, that we as adults now would not be able to distinguish and the same way a Japanese adult wouldn't be able to distinguish uh, certain sounds in our language. So for example, l and r, so like lake and rake, um, obviously are different words to us, but to a Japanese individual, that, that they would sound the exact same. That would, they would be the exact same word basically, because there's no difference in the sound of "le" and ru. Mm. Um So yeah, they found that infants, between the ages and six to 12 months are able to distinguish all of these sounds but as they become older that distinguishability lessens because they become more specified in learning just one language you know Mm -hmm. and and that to me is clear evidence of um the adaptive advantage that is part of evolutionary theory in the sense that you're born with like the ability to do a lot more, but as you grow older, you have to specify and adapt to the environment that you're specifically within, which means removing certain abilities that you're not going to need and becoming better at the ones that you do need. Yeah. Um, and that in uh, developmental psychology is something that's known as um Uh, perceptual narrowing or perceptual tuning Um, but how this relates to the implicit attitudes test um, is more specific to do with face recognition than it is for um, the language learning so um, my developmental lecturer in a study that he conducted actually found that um, let me just find it uh, that for newborn infants they do not look preferentially at own or other race faces but three-month-old infants look preferentially at their own race faces and this was found also within israeli and ethiopian infants um and i think that's quite an interesting finding in the sense that if you're going to apply this implicit attitudes test to each individual and you know conclude from that that we all have our own biases then could you not go one step further then and if if infants have these biases could you not make the same claim about an infant as all of these people within politics or within the workplace are making about Mm. adults you know if if someone is to say that because they have failed that test and need to go through training or whatever you know at the least extreme they'll say that they have biases at the most extreme they'll be called racist or sexist or whatever but if you are going towards the most extreme which isn't much different from the least in my opinion because it's still a bias or whatever regardless of whether it is actually true um then children or infants also have the same you could go ahead and start calling infants racist, you know?
0: (laughs) And to me, that would just be a crazy conclusion. Yeah, I think, like, there's so there's some again, great great stuff to untease, thing a couple of things I've written down is that it seems to me like, one one thing I have a problem with is the very term, unconscious bias. Because what is even unconscious, what would you categorise as conscious mm-hmm. or unconscious? Like, Where where are we drawing the lines there? But that that's literally like a whole other episode in itself.
1: Oh, 100%. The <laughs> amount of things that have just come to mind from that, I don't actually know if I could yeah. narrow it down <laughs> to this specific... Uh, I mean, it, it would just be
0: hours and hours yeah. on Freud and Jung, I would assume. But, uh... So that's why, like, what I've... In, in listening to you talk about, it seems to me... Like it's more a problem of heuristics rather than and then and then drawing the line between (laughs) heuristic bias and then where that then bleeds into racism at the extreme. Yeah. Because at the core, and this is where I think maybe we can sort of touch on your evolutionary side, like heuristics aren't perfect. We know they're not perfect, we know they're often quite wrong, but they're useful insofar as they help you as an organism as a as a being to operate in the world like if you were to to argue that heuristics wouldn't be useful at all seems almost just unquestionably stupid Yeah, (laughs)
1: because just for the viewers at home or the listeners should i say uh, for those that don't understand what heuristics are didn't know if you wanted to give a, it's little like a little definition or something. Yeah,
0: it's it's sort of, just imagine, like, a little shortcut. Shortcuts, like yeah. A little that's, shortcut that's in I your brain. So instead of modern. you, say, um, say for instance, you are getting, um, I'm going <laughs> to use a very outdated analogy here, because I don't really know many people who get this today, but if, if you're going for your newspaper in the morning that's been left outside your front door, like, the decision of whether or not you're going to go outside in your slippers or not is almost like is a heuristic in itself because you're not going to think oh this the temperature is colder today or it's raining or something you're just going to automatically jump to well I need to put my shoes on I need to run outside real quick or, or I'm going to just leave that there for now sort of thing like, I think that to call to, uh, to even think that people can control their unconscious biases a lot of the times is a bit excessive People yeah. can't. People can change their mind. People can change how they think about things, and I think obviously people can develop different heuristics. But to argue that someone's uh, sort of heuristic process is them being outright racist is also even more damaging to the very thing that we're trying to move past. <laughs> Because it could just be that they don't have information. And like I know for myself I'm wrong a lot of the fucking time and it's only after you get like one one like the, the ability for one su- such a small piece of information to change how you see something so entirely. Yeah. It's like all it I don't know, you you know, this ties into, you know, education and and people being given the right parenting <laughs> and everything like that. So is why obviously it's so complex, but I think that people shouldn't be punished for their heuristics unless yeah. they are literally harming people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one hundred percent.
1: And then that—that's where I think it goes beyond. Like, I again, I, we could obviously could talk about this forever, but that to me goes beyond unconsciousness, mm. you know, because if you are using those heuristics to develop stereotypes or just racist behaviours or whatever mm. that to me is where it clearly just isn't unconscious you know, it's not a matter of um, perception that is beyond your control you know, the way that you perceive uh, faces or the way that you perceive I don't know, whatever races, mm. you know um, but but yeah, it, it's quite to, I found because I I did ask my lecturer, basically a question involving this the other day, and how he thought it related to re- uh, evolution and kind of like the perceptual narrowing that people go through and stuff. And I can't. I'm I'm I've been thinking about his answer since, and we could again go on hours upon hours, probably on this in other uh, episodes, mm. but. I just wondered what your your quick thoughts, I guess, were on this, um, and I, I can't tell whether it's a cop out of an answer or, or quite an interesting answer. But he basically, I basically, posited to him um, what I'd just said, and that mm. if we were evolutionary built, that so that we had these heuristics to enable us advantages when we are in our environment. Um, then surely it's not a matter of having unconscious biases and stuff and that we shouldn't need unconscious bias training and stuff like that. And he did agree with the unconscious bias training. He didn't feel that that was the way to go about it. Um, He felt that the way to go about it was to change... uh, the organisational setup of institutions and stuff which i don't know if i agree with however there was one example he gave which i think to me off the top of my head seems like quite a a good way of going about things in in when relating to something like this and that was a uh, the concept of um blind uh cvs right so obviously in this uh context um Having an unconscious bias would be, say, if you get two CVs and they're practically identical. However, one is by someone called John Smith, and one is by someone called. Um, <laughs> <I can't laughs> think of <the> a name. <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that, but um, <laughs> but yeah, um, for the most part, yeah, for the
0: yeah,
1: exactly, um, for the most part. they'd they'd find that individuals would be chosen more so if they were a part of the in-group of the person that was choosing the individual. Um, And they obviously, uh, people within social psychology, conclude that that is a clear example of unconscious bias. However, things like blind CVs, where you remove the name of the individual on the CV have obviously done a lot to help that. But he then made the point that just because we have evolution, we have evolved um, to a point where we are now with certain things, certain mechanisms within us that have given us advantages within the past. He said that doesn't mean necessarily that that is something that we should just accept and not try to change. And I just wondered what, it, what you thought about that. Because initially, I think, you know, for fuck's sake, we've evolved for <laughs> 350 billion years. Like, no one could even possibly comprehend the extent of development in that time. You know, you, you couldn't come close. So if we've evolved over that period of time, what we have today must be so integral to our behaviour mm you couldn't just say, "Oh, we should try and get rid of these uh, these biases with some training," you know. That that's how it seems to me. But at the same time, I do understand what he's saying. You know, like that doesn't necessarily you. I, I I feel like maybe it is too much, too easy to conclude that just because it's evolution, it's it's good or that's how it should be. So I just wondered what what you thought in regards to that.
0: I mean, yeah, I don't think just because it's evolution, it's it's inherently good. Like, I don't think that evolution is merely linear. Uh, I don't think it just continues improving the whole time. I think there is, it's it's like it explores all the genetic avenues it can, and then whichever yeah. survives survives. It doesn't mean the best one survives or the yeah. good or the moral one survives. It's just whatever survives survives. <laughs> but yeah. and maybe that's a bit to ruin nihilism, but I don't know. I I feel like it's (laughs) it's pretty relevant. But I do... The problem I sort of have with maybe what he said isn't that you can't change because I mean, no one has to do much research on things like neuroplasticity to know that people can change themselves and their mind at any age. It doesn't matter if you're young or old or or anything. You can always try and, and improve. And I think that that is that is sort of uh, that's one of the biggest things on the individual level level that you owe the world. If if anything is that you should at least try to be as useful and as uh, loving and I don't want to say kind because obviously you want to be kind, but you're not really kind to a fault. Uh, Yeah. Well, that's where I distinguish kind. Yeah. Yeah. But because yeah, I don't think you should be but nice, problem, but I do think you should be kind. The problem I sort of have is that in his statement that you sort of gave, it's like the assumption is that if you're not thinking the way they do, then you are uh, less, yeah. essentially, like that, that you're less yeah. evolved than, than he is in some way. Yeah. And I think that that is a bit it. in a way. Like just because you think um, that you're perhaps morally right in this issue well then to me the fact that you're not finding a way to communicate that to those people who you see as not in your position is a bit like that to me shows that you're lacking some severely useful evolutionary skills like if you really cared about the whole of humanity and the good of humanity then why would you not accept perhaps your own um, whatever reasons that you're not trying to take those answers and put them where they need to go rather than trying to tell people that they're wrong without even saying just sort of assuming that someone's wrong or less than or just because they don't they haven't come to the same conclusion as you yet
1: yeah and that and that's actually quite funny that you've said that because that's kind of been my the story of my experience with my social psychology module in the sense that every lecture i've had it it borders heavily upon ideology in my opinion you know every everything i've learned in social psychology seems to be quite ideologically based at least from like the 1980s and 1990s right. going forward um and i think that that's a problem for a start because it means that so many of the lecturers that i'm going into i already know what i'm going to be taught you know and the fact that i can predict what I and mean, what my lecturer's stance on something mm. is i don't think Not is it. very good you know i, I don't and but, but what's quite funny, I think, is that they each of them present their lecture in a way that kind of separates themselves from what they're talking about. It's almost like they're projecting the ideology, you know, and it's not, you know, it's never, ne- nothing ever becomes, oh, and I think this or I think that, which I can understand, you know, you, as a lecturer, you don't want to make it too much about yourself. But it's almost like they try to remove their own bias quite ironically their own biases from what they're teaching and just give an objective um overview of what they're teaching which to me becomes ideological Mm -hmm. but they're actually removing their own individual experience of life from teaching you know and i feel like that is so much more valuable than any of what i'm just going to go go in and you know, predictably listen Mm. to.
0: But why do you why do you think that is? Because I've got I've got my own theories. But why is Uh... it that that there is sort of this um I mean I definitely can see I don't think it's quite so bad in the politics department. I mean you can sometimes you can definitely sort of guess around what you can expect from a a certain lecturer. But I've I've been pleasantly surprised most of the time that they do Seem to really engage with what they're talking about, and quite often, maybe it is just because it's politics, and it's sort of. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how <laughs> I could separate the fact that I don't know how I could say that politics is personal, but psychology isn't. But uh, we'll skip over. That. <laughs> but I that, yeah, no, yeah, I, I'm they, not. They just I, sort of wear their chest. Yeah, I'm
1: not. Bit. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure to be honest. Um, you know. I don't know what the exact figures on on it are, but they're, from experience and from what I have read, it's clear to me that there are no right wing leaning social psychologists. Every single one of them is left leaning, and I think that poses well clear problems, you know, on paper anyway, because you want a balance. You need either mm. side, um, but it's almost like mutually exclusive that you would have a right wing leaning uh social psychologist because of what social psychology actually entails oh. but at the same oh, time I... i'm probably only saying that because of what i know social psychology to be con- like uh in contemporary society and what i have learned about it in why the last don't few years what do you
0: say about why it is one why why it is in that state at all and how how you can see that um from your from your sort of standpoint but then also why that's a bad thing uh why it's in that
1: state i honestly I'd, i i think i'd have to yeah, that's, that's a bit bit there <laughs> there because yeah but, but it's strange because you know you've got a lot of classic studies in a social psychology, you know, Milgram's obedience uh, experiment, Zimbardo and the prison experiment. Um, and these seem like they're, they're, they're classic studies for a reason, because we obviously learn a lot from them. But it seems to me like those individuals were more uh, that posited their, their work more on value of finding truth rather than going into it with expectations and with ideological presuppositions that dispose them to finding basically the answer they wanted whereas now it seems to me that there are so many social psychologists within the field that are going into studies with certain views on gender, certain views on sex, certain views on race and They've basically created their answers before the studies even carried out, you know? And I don't know. It, it it seems to me, I guess... You know, I don't know. I'm not exactly too sure why why it's gone so far to the left because it's not that there's not parts of society that reflect the right side of the political spectrum. But I guess... In terms of things like gender, sex, race, you do associate that much more with the left-leaning side of politics. So, yeah, I'm not exactly too sure to be honest with you, but it's something I would definitely look into a yeah. bit more.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it just seems a bit like I'm trying to think. The site you said that I went to um, pick up. Oh yeah, were you said? that um, it seemed like they were going in to these studies now with sort of, you said certain ideas, but I want to clarify say like a set of rigid ideas, because it's not just, I think everyone goes into any study they're conducting with a set of ideas. The fact is that they're willing to challenge those ideas and willing to be wrong on those ideas. And I think that that has been a big like departure from previous scientific inquiry on it. Like, the the people now want to be right and are too afraid of being wrong. And that even, like, you can't go into a study unless you have a thesis. So you could argue that you're already going in with an idea whenever you do any sort of academic study. But I do agree that it it seems now that it's got even more to the point of like pseudoscience to the point of just let me confirm this idea that I have and publish it and validate it as academically grounded rather than is there more to this that I might be missing so I think I might be the only one here at the moment so I'm just going to keep talking to myself because I haven't got a problem with that but yeah to go back to the role of heuristics in in this sort of issue, obviously heuristics—they are out of the conscious; they can't be tangibly grabbed. Like you can't just touch them. It's not something that's so obvious at all. But uh, they are—they are useful because you can't—you just physically would not be able to sort of process as much as quickly. As effect, I mean, effectively is, is besides the point, but it, it gets better over time. Your process of developing your heuristics gets better over time. And my worry is that people are being forced to try and categorize themselves as either racist or as as overly biased when they just haven't had enough chance to develop their heuristics. And I also don't think that the training that is there is actually effective at all at at changing those heuristics or those biases within those people. And in actual fact, quite often it, it just leads to the reverse with people getting angry that they're being called racist and they have no ill wishes towards anyone for any reason. So I think there's a big problem with a lot of people characterizing things in a way that benefits their their uh, sort of argument in the moment but is not actually true. But yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's obviously a very, very complex issue and we're barely even scratching the surface here. <laughs> I know that we're barely even scratching the surface here, but it's it's something that I think needs to be discussed, and people need to be open to discussing going forwards. Like we can't, we don't have to always, you know, cite, cite societies that have gone so bad as, as you know, like the Soviet Union or something to to emphasize how important it is to keep debate, keep discussion amongst all in 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 question. I guess like we have to involve everyone because if you don't. If you marginalize the fringes, they will just get more fringe. they will go down an echo chamber like in a way that is never previously possible and it will just become untenable. So I think it's important that we um, that we keep the discussions open, that we are unafraid and that we are brave in our sort of intellectual and uh, conversational pursuits but I think it's been 40 minutes down we're going to round up at this point I hope you have very much enjoyed the first episode I know I have I'm very much looking forward to the next one so from Canterbury here from me and from Rochester with Connor we want to wish you a very very good day and Keep seeking that truth, people.